This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. ESPN Check Radio. the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN they Radio. They're supposed to beat the Celtics. They're not supposed to beat the Nuggets, but the series is knotted at 1-1 and heading back to Miami for Game 3. The Heat have outscored opponents by 90 points throughout these playoffs. They're an eighth seed. The Nuggets just saw there's a – if you've seen this graphic, there's a 650 winning percentage at home. A 350 winning percentage on the road. Is this, in fact, a must win for the Nuggets? PJ Carlissimo, ESPN NBA analyst, former NBA and college head coach, three time NBA champion as assistant coach. Coverage of game three of the NBA Finals begins tonight, 7 30 p.m. Eastern. PJ, coach, what's your expectation for game three tonight? I think we're going to have an excellent game, Max. I, I think these teams are a lot closer. Uh, in skill and the way they're playing right now than people think. And uh, the home court is not going to be the most meaningful thing. I, you know, I would not be surprised to see us 2-2 heading back to Denver and uh, see what's going to happen here. Both these teams are capable of runs. They're both capable of coming from uh, double digits back. And the so-called others for both teams, people make a much bigger deal out of it when it uh, Miami people, because so many of them are uh, undrafted. But, uh, the three-point shot and turnovers often are big. In this series, it's huge. Um, Miami, as well as they've played, they probably need to put like 110 or more on the board if they're going to beat Denver. Uh, Denver's just uh, the best offensive team, I think, in the league. They're a balanced team, and uh, they need some of those guys to play a lot better than they did in game two. But I think it's going to be a great game, and I think it's going to be a a, a very good scoring game. I think pe- people on both teams will step up. The three-point shooting will be good, and people, both these teams take good care of the ball. Denver's the best in the playoffs so far. They don't turn it over. They're smart teams. Uh, they're very good defensive teams. Uh, there's been a lot of long possessions where it's just good offense in the last five seconds beating good defense. So it's uh, very entertaining series as far as I'm concerned. Um, third quarter of, of the Game two was fantastic. The two teams going back and forth at each other. I think we're going to see more of that in Miami. Coach, I want you to take about five seconds and think about this one. Who needs game three more, the Nuggets or the Heat? I don't think it's game three. It's going to be game four. Uh, Denver could use, Denver has to win one of the games uh, in Miami. There's no question about that. But it's that the odd games don't always – It's it's the even games. When one team sticks their nose ahead, that's when the other one has to come back. Um, so I, I, I don't. I think this one will set the table for Game Four. My guy PJ Carlismo joining us on e, on ESPN Two, ESPN U actually right now. Keyshawn J Will and Max. If I can get out, PJ, um, take me inside for a second. If you were Michael Malone, PJ, and you saw the usage rate of Miami's zone in the fourth quarter, which is pretty high, high dosage. How would you attack that? Because obviously having the Joker in the middle of that zone seems like the first, the first thing that you would think, but it actually it hasn't really panned out. How would you attack that zone? 
they've had good looks. I'm not, the, the zone is working. What's working more was the fact that Miami put the ball in the basket in game two so or got to the free throw line, um, neither of which they did as well in game one. And it allowed Spo, it allowed Eric Spolstra to change up the defenses, to play man to man sometimes, to pick up full court with their with their pressure, just to take time off the clock, or sometimes to go back and, and play the straight zone. Um, and it, that more than the zone itself, they got good looks against the zone. Yeah, it's much more effective when they do get it in the middle, whether it's to Jokic, which is where they really want it, or at times to Jamal. Jamal, they had good looks. Uh, in both games and, and didn't do it. I, I think it's Spo changing up the defenses and then putting the ball in the basket, which gave them the ability to do that. In, in game one, they weren't able to get into the press. They weren't able to change defenses as much because they were missing shots. Uh, Denver's defense was better, and they weren't able to get to the free throw line. When they get to the free throw line and they get stoppages in play and they can mix up their defenses, that's when they've been effective. So just for people at home in the fourth quarter when Miami would – when they wouldn't score, when Denver would get a stop, they always go back to man-to-man. But when they did make a bucket, they would come back in the zone. So I think that's what P.J. was referring to. But also, P.J., like, t- talk to me a little bit about uh, Jimmy Butler and how he came through in the clutch. But, you know, that's the name that everybody talks about. Explain the importance of Bam Adebayo for the Miami Heat tonight. Bam Adebayo has been unbelievable. I-, I thought going in, I was more confident. Not that Bam hasn't played well. He's played very well. Uh, throughout the playoffs, but his, his numbers, his scoring numbers are actually down from the regular season. He's not shooting the ball as effectively as he did from a percentage standpoint in the regular season. But he to be able to play Jokic and to be able to command the attention because of the way he's shooting the ball has been great. But Jimmy Butler just late in the game steps up. It was his passing. He hasn't had like a monster game in terms of, you know, what we expect from Jimmy. But, uh, you know, he had 13 points only and seven assists in game one. Came back much better, 21 points in the nine assists with a difference. He got into the paint. He had a couple of big baskets late. Uh, if you look at his stats with like seven, eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and yet what happened in the last six minutes uh, it wasn't just the scoring; it was the passing. He found teammates. Uh, he he got them the ball. He just uh, Jimmy. I don't know what it is about him, but he loves April, May, and June, and he loves the last six, seven minutes of a game. Uh, there are a lot of guys, as you know, Jay Will, that don't necessarily want the ball or look for the ball down the stretch. Jimmy's the opposite of that. So, PJ, you know, I, I do Denver radio every Friday uh, with my guy D Mac and Derek. Uh, yep. Derek Wolf for the Nuggets. And one of the things that we were talking about was that when Bam and Espo would play Jokic in that single coverage matchup, right? You know, everybody, you know, people say, oh, just let him score. Nobody's trying to let Jokic score, right? But playing him in single coverage, staying home, stunting down, you know, from those wing positions to see if you can get strips here and there, but staying home with shooters is going to be critical for Miami. How do you get guys like Michael Porter Jr. more involved in the offense? Because he seems to be one of these guys. I don't know if it's the back PJ or what. And, you know, having those 10 days off, obviously had way more explosiveness in game one than you saw in game two. But when you hear about, hey, you know, his offense is predicated upon his, his, his defense is predicated upon his offense. How do you keep guys like him and KCP engaged when Jokic obviously has that matchup single coverage that wants to go at it and attack? Well, I, I think he, he's got to get his way. He's three for 17, uh, Jay. And most of them were good looks from three-point line in the two games. 
Uh, Michael Porter is like a lot of young players. When the ball goes in, he's much more engaged on the defensive end and rebounding. Like if you look, his floor game has been, we talked about that uh, after, after game one because they won despite that. But I don't think they can win the series uh, if he continues to shoot that way or else uh, Michael Malone will go away from him, which he, you know, he won't hesitate to do. KCP was the one that surprised me. He had a very atypical game in game two. He made a lot of defensive mistakes. He actually he was responsible for 11 made free throws. Fallen shooters are following uh, his opponent when, the, when they were in the bonus. 11 points he gave up, and he's usually the opposite of that. Twice he fouled three-point shooters. Uh, he got a little bit distracted by the officials. Um, he didn't play like the veteran, the really smart veteran that he usually is. Forget his offense, which was uh, one issue. It was what he was not doing defensively. And Michael Malone didn't make any bones. He got a lot of you know criticism. People said he's too tough on his guys. He said after game one they weren't defending the three very well. Mm-hmm. Denver's biggest problem is the three-point line on both ends. They have to shoot it better than they've shot it, uh, and that mainly falls on uh, Michael Porter Jr., but they got to defend significantly better. Uh, Miami's just, you know, everybody said, well, it was one game. It wasn't one game. They got really good looks in the first game also. And these are the two best teams in the playoffs, number one and number two uh, at, at three-point percentage. Miami's like at 39-2, uh, and Denver's at 38-2. So uh, Michael Porter Jr. has got to play better. That starts with him making shots. He's had very good looks. They can't get him much better looks. Then he's getting, yeah, maybe he get another offensive rebound or two, uh, get some easy ones. But uh, it's going to be difficult for either of these teams to win without the other players. You know, not Jokic and Murray, not Bam and, and Jimmy Butler. The other players have got to step up. Like game two, game two in the first half, it was the Denver bench that set the table. That's why they were ahead. Yep. And in the fourth quarter, it was the Miami bench. Uh, that they, they carried the day for them. So and Jamal needs to play better, uh, Jay. Well, you know, you're being hard on him. It wasn't like he had a bad game, but he didn't have a Jamal Murray game. And it's the finals. Those two have got to be, uh, you know, all NBA players that I, that I think they really are um, to win. And then everybody worries about the other guy stepping up. And Max, to PJ's point, you know, that everybody talks about game one being won by Denver. In that fourth quarter, I'll say it again, they gave up 30 points on 60% shooting from the field and 50% shooting from the three-point line. That was an indicator of what came in game two, by the way. nuts. I mean, Coach, talking to Coach P.J. Carlissimo, now ESPN basketball analyst, of course. Coach, how do you – you mentioned it, and we got about a minute here. How do you explain – why, how Jimmy Butler, this team has been outscored in every quarter throughout these – you know, they're minus in every quarter – throughout the playoffs, except the fourth quarter where they're plus 90. And, and Jimmy Butler, you mentioned, always does this. He plays the best when you need it. And this is an eighth seed doing this. How do you explain this? we got about 40 seconds. Well, I don't think it's easy to explain. But it's a, you have to realize it's an eighth seed that had a lot of injuries during the year. I'm not saying I saw this coming from Miami. This was a number one seed last year, and it's virtually the same team. Uh, what's surprising is the way they're so-called complementary players. I hate everybody keep calling them undrafted players. Like Gabe, Gabe Vincent is playing better than any. It doesn't matter when they were drafted. Keller Martin was before he got sick. Uh, they're a lot better team than people thought they were when this season began, and they were for most of the regular season because of injuries. Um, and they have two, not good, they have two great players uh, in Butler uh, and in Adebayo. And they're extremely well coached, of course. Both of these teams are. 
That is a great answer. That's a great answer. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. All right, PJ. Great being with you guys. Appreciate it. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors... You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Oh, yeah, just like I like it. Always wanted it this way, fellas. No J and definitely no Max. It's all about Keyshawn Johnson right about now. We're going to turn up the heat down in Miami. Game three tonight, the Denver Nuggets against the Miami Heat. Fellas in the control room, where are we going with this? All right. uh, Steve Kerr was on the Draymond Green show on Volume Sports after game two, and he was talking about heat culture, and it sounds like he might have been taking a shot at his own team. Yates, take it away. None of those guys on Miami are, are are sitting there saying, well, I didn't play, or, man, they put in so-and-so. Like, they're just all about winning. And and you know this from, from our, our groups that we've had. When, when, you, when you have that championship mentality, every guy's bought in. Every guy's just trying to win. Nobody, nobody cares about any of that stuff. You don't go into the locker room, you know, saying, well, I should have played more. You just, you just want to win. And that's the beauty of finding that magic when you have a championship team is that everybody's bought in and it makes the decisions for the coach um, really simple. You just go with, go with your gut and go with whoever's playing well. Yeah, I'm not going to say that Steve Kerr was talking about his entire team. I'm going to say Steve Kerr was talking about one, maybe two, three individuals, most notably Jordan Poole. That's who he's talking about to start with because he's not talking about Curry. He's not talking about Clay, and he's not talking about Draymond. He's not talking about Wiggins, okay? Now you can start to figure out, is he talking about Looney? Is it Jordan Poole that he could be discussing? But the message that he's delivering right there is if you buy in as a unit, whether you're in the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, or a show like ours with all three or four of us, when you buy in, it becomes successful. When people start to do things on their own and kind of uh, gear off into a whole nother universe, that's when it becomes a disaster. So, Jay, let me ask you this question. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. I'm not here. I, this, is, this, is Key's, this is Key's audition for his own show. This is great. Key should just keep going. Oh, my audition for my own show? Yeah. yeah, yeah you, oh, right. so – Oh, okay. I didn't know that. What else are we doing, fellas? <laughs> you doing the same topic, man. Keep going. No, so, I don't I don't like so to do key, the same me, topic. So I like key, to... 
Let me ask you a question, though. As a former athlete, if one of your teammates punched you in the well, face. Well, y'all should be in the damn restroom, but go ahead. I, I we was were, right I, here We were sitting time. right here when the segment started, and you were for some reason hosting. Well, because I can if I need to, mm. but I think Newton said you guys were in the restroom or something. No, we were okay. right here on time, well, as hey, always. Key, I see you showing the versatility. Well, I, I mean, every now and then, you, you know, you, when you need to do something, you can do it. I like Key saying, I can if I need to, when he came into this segment and immediately tossed it back to us back here. He was like, welcome back. Uh, so, guys, back so in the control room. If you want to be a single man show and just sit up and just run your mouth for 45 minutes straight, then, yeah, it'll be a single man show. But that's not who I am. Hmm. I, try to share, I try to share the wealth, pass the ball. You know what man I'm saying, Man of the Jay? people. Man yeah, people. man of the people, man. I try to divvy it up a little bit. I don't, you know. The one-man shows drive me crazy. I don't like the one-man shows. We got to set you up for your shot, you know, set up the sound and key take it away there. What, you got to create shows, your own shot off the dribble key, you know? Yeah, one-man shows, it drive me crazy. I can't. I don't understand how people even listen to one-man bands. Did Steve Kerr take a shot at his own team, Jay, while praising the Heat? Did he use it as an opportunity to take a shot at his team? <laughs> I feel like that's what Key just said. I'm asking you. I, 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 I knew you, I, but I I feel knew like you was really about to say that, said. Jay. Just he look was, on your face. He, he said a whole lot. <laughs> I feel like he didn't pay off what you. you just said. He's, he's wondering who is he referring to. Jordan <laughs> Poole is a very good I mean, idea it, as a target of that criticism, but I'm sure it's more than one person. What do you think? I said it was more than one person, but it wasn't the four guys. I just said. So what do you think, Jay? <laughs> Why is that funny? Because it's the same thing I said, Max. That's what Jay said. Yeah, Jay hasn't said anything yet. That's the point. Jay, based on Jay, based on what I said, Why are you do you not think yelling at each other? Do you think though, based on what I said, Jay? What did you say, Key? I'm sorry. That I was he read through the whole roster. He read through the whole roster on the air. What are you talking yeah, about? What did he say? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just it wasn't about his team. It was about a select few individuals without naming names. And I think those individuals know, you know, you know who they talking to when they talking to you. Well, I mean, well first off, here here's the biggest point because everybody keeps going to Jordan Poole. I'm sorry, Jay, that's all the time. Or yeah. Kevon Looney. Know. No, it's not. Okay, go. I watch the clock every single every go single ahead. segment. By the go way, um, it's the fact that he said it. Shirts. Hold on, Keith. Let me finish my point. <laughs> people, I, people on the radio can't see that I changed shirts, Keith. It's the fact that he said it. On Draymond Green's podcast. Ooh. Who does that show allegiance with? Oh. When it's all said and done. That's the point that everybody's missing. It's obvious that Steve Kerr is referring to the likes of uh, Jordan Poole, right? Or a Kaminga, guys like that who are unhappy. You keep hearing the talks about that great speech that Steph gave to the team about if you're not bought in, don't come on the road here to game seven. You know, obviously in Sacramento, things of that sort, right? Like when, when Steph Steve talked Kerr, to Jordan Poole and then went and dapped Draymond up. But it's a fact that Steve Kerr said it with Draymond Green mm. on his podcast saying, if you're not locking step about the culture that we created here, regardless of whether you get punched in the face, regardless of whether you're not happy about playing time, get over it. Our inability to get over it is what hindered us from winning a championship. Because you know what? Every everybody got problems. Max, you got problems. I got problems. Key got problems. Got but when you show up problems. to the workplace, people don't problems. want to hear about your damn problems. They want to see the best product, right? That's what that's what's preached. It's a tough spot. I think that's a great point. It's Andre's podcast. The championship nucleus, really, when you boil it down, and Bob Myers is gone, right? He was part of it, but is Steph 
Dre, Clay, Steve Kerr. Steve, Steph talks to Jordan Poole in the middle of a game. In the playoffs, Jay, as you pointed out, goes and daps up Dre. Kerr goes on Dre's podcast and kind of takes a shot at his own team. Hey, get in line. But isn't it difficult to sit? Like, if you're Jordan Poole, you got to be sitting there going, hold on, this dude sucker punches me. Everyone sees it, and now I'm the bad guy? That's yeah, you tough, get man. over it. Now, I, I get it. it. I don't think he can. I don't, you I don't either, think you he either, can. You either, they, you either whoop his ass or you get over it. I agree, Key, but since that doesn't look like it's in the offing, they got to move Jordan Poole if they're not going to move Dre, right? Well, well, Steve Kerr had firsthand experience, right, Jay? With right. a similar situation. Yep. Mm-hmm. With Got a champion. Punched in the face by Michael Jordan. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to say who it was, but, no, it was, but like, who, <laughs> Public who, knowledge? who better, oh, I know. Who I better to have as the leader of your franchise that has lived through a moment like that and then yes, can talk absolutely. to you about, okay, right. that's happened. But your inability to get over it yeah, is he what's got stopping over us it. from growing. He put all that behind him. He got over it. And he moved forward, and they went on and won. Right. It's a good point. A lot of good points from Jay. Look at that. At least two in the same segment. That's a record. All right, listen. You're the worst. Is Jared Goff. <laughs> Why did you change shirts? Huh? Why did you change shirts? I've always worn this shirt. What are you talking uh, about? Key, that's because he has get up. Priorities. He has I to go on TV, say, so he has to get I ready for I wanted him to say, well, I'm on not. Get Up I mean, later. Watch me on Get Up. He's not going to do I that. I mean, not Get Up on, on First on Take. He's, he's not going to do that. He's not going to admit that he leaves at uh, 8.30 for Get Up. Because you tell me to leave noon. I don't tell you to do you, anything. You, Jay, you are my boss. Free, no, you I'm not. You tell me. Every day, Jay just wanders out of the So then Nuno, so then Nuno, Nuno, Nunito, Nunito, tell me to stay then. Do you guys know how to cross? No, no, no. Wait, 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 Key. Nunito, tell me to stay, and I'll stay. Uh, Jay, you've been uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been reassigned. Yes, eight thirty. Get up, reassigned. Uh, on, uh, but I wasn't even thinking about get up. I wanted him to promote the fact that he's on first take later or something. Are you on or first something? take later? Yeah, yeah. Are you, know, you on first take? take? Key has very specific shows he wants you to promote. He has this yeah. whole thing mapped out. Key, aren't you on first take later? Yeah. All right. So watch first take after our show, uh, ten to twelve on ESPN. And is Jay is too. Jared Goff. Hey, excuse me. There, it is. there you go. Is there Jared Goff really playing better as a lion than he did in LA? Is that really happening, KJM? It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and staff types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com morning code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy 
Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. When he went no huddle and they started to make plays. All the big games but light on time? Let us catch you up. Definitely not fun ever playing against no huddle offense. Let's run the no huddle. Whether you huddle, whether you don't huddle, it still comes down to just the execution. All right, let's do no huddle here on KJM ESPN Radio. Nuno. All right, we'll start off in Detroit since every uh, since there's a lot of people who are excited about the Lions. And yesterday, Dan Campbell talked about his QB, Jared Goff, and the progression he's seen since he's joined the team. He's a better quarterback than he was there, in my opinion, because he can do more things. He's he's mentally on it. I mean, we, we've come light years ahead of where he was two years ago when we walked in and just start teaching him protections. Dove into that, and we asked him to do a lot more than what they were actually doing out there. We put a lot of things on him. I'm not so sure that was ultimately what they were doing. All right, Key. Well, just some Context here, since coming to Detroit in 2021, Jared Goff ranks third in the NFL in TD's interception ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Jared Goff a Super I know he's reset. With the Lions, is Jared Goff a Super Bowl caliber QB? I think he is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback for any team that he plays for. He took the Rams to the Super Bowl, ultimately losing to the New England Patriots. I don't think right now, though, the Detroit Lions are a Super Bowl caliber team. They certainly can make a run uh, at their division, but I don't think they're Super Bowl caliber in the NFC. Yeah, I think it's a Super Bowl caliber. I mean, like, as Key said, he's already demonstrated. And by, by the way, about two-thirds through that season, he was an MVP candidate, maybe fringy MVP candidate. But he went to two Pro Bowls and was in a Super Bowl with the team and was a good quarterback. Uh, and then they brought in an even better quarterback, um, in Stafford, who put him over the top, but you know, Goff is still you know entering his prime. So I find it easy to believe he's still getting better. All right, um, let's go down to Dallas. Obviously, the big focus with the Cowboys is the fact that Mike McCarthy is now calling the plays. Here is Mike talking about how it's going so far in minicamp. I feel really good about what we've been able to accomplish in the spring. So, I mean, you know, my personal interaction is, is really part of it. The conversations, not only to myself and Dak, they got to be consistent all the way through the offensive coordinator, consistent all the way through the quarterback. Uh, because when you do get mixed signals there, that's that's where potential, you know, errors can, can occur. The collaboration and the continuity and the connection of your staff is so important. And I think it's only natural and that I'm enjoying it, and, and it's, been, it's been a lot of fun to get back into it. So, key. How good of a play caller, play caller is Mike McCarthy actually? I think he's a really good play caller. Uh, toward the end in Green Bay, he struggled a little bit, but the team struggled as a whole. He got fired ultimately when he got hired by the Dallas Cowboys. Kellen Moore was already there. They didn't want to change up anything from an offensive standpoint. But I think what people don't understand is they look at Kellen Moore and they look at the statistical side of the Dallas Cowboys and where they're ranked. And the first thing that they say is, well, what's wrong with that? 
Well, it's not about the statistics. It's about how you call a game, when you call certain plays. It, 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 can you protect the defense? Can you protect the quarterback? All of those certain things. And I think when you look at it, Dak Prescott will probably be a better quarterback because Mike McCarthy, with experience, is calling plays for the Dallas Cowboys this year. I'm willing to take Key's word on that as a play caller, uh, McCarthy. I think McCarthy has a lot to recommend him as a head coach, a lot of important qualities. I don't know, just looking at him and thinking about it, whether play calling is one of them based on the fact that he lost his job with a great quarterback because the game seemed to have passed him by a bit. And then they, in the introductory press conference, oh, I studied analytics this summer. Now I get it. I don't know about that. But, Key, if you see, if you look putting your eyeballs on him as a play caller, you like what you see, I'm willing to, to buy it. Well, I haven't seen him yet this year. So. But, I mean, in Green Bay, if you, if, <laughs> when he lost his job, if watching him, you're like, nah, he's okay. I'm willing to buy yeah, it. He was, a good, he was a good play caller. He won the Super Bowl. The quarterback got MVP. You don't think he, the league passed him by? No, not at all. Not, all right. not one bit. The league doesn't pass you by because you have assistant coaches on your staff and you have personnel people that are on your staff that can bring you up to speed. I mean, that, that, that's just a narrative that's set by people. Oh, the league's passed him by. No, no, I, I, I don't mean as a head coach. I mean as a play caller. I'm talking about even as a play caller. Okay. Even as a head coach, a play caller. You talk about Bill Belichick. Has, the, has it passed him up? Because he's still doing the same things that he's done in the past, but he still wins football games. Mm-hmm. All right. the playoffs is true. <laughs> Speaking of Bill Belichick, great transition there. Oh, he's no talking. It's like you know what you're doing. Uh, he's talk. He talked about the and he's asked. You'll hear the question about the new partnership between Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien. A day yesterday where you ran a lot of plays. How do you assess how Bill O'Brien and Mac looked communication-wise running the offense? You know, it's just a teaching process for all of us. So all the players and you know again coaching staff we got to get back into into coaching and teaching and so forth so it's you know we're, we all have something to work on out there players coaches all of us key is the fact that um bill belichick hired uh bill o'brien the closest we're going to get to bill apologizing and admitting that he screwed up mac jones last year no, he's already he's already admitted and to a degree apologized by saying that they had to go out and do something different from an offensive standpoint. He's already said that. I think it's several months ago he actually said it new, but we know it, right? He's just demonstrating that by going out publicly and getting Bill O'Brien to fix the situation with the quarterback. Quarterback had an okay rookie season, and then all of a sudden he looked like a shell of himself when they changed up the situation once Josh McDaniels went to the Raiders, and then all of a sudden we know the story with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia dueling the offensive coordinating duties. Be totally different now, I believe, with Bill O'Brien calling the plays. Yeah, maybe it's just quarterbacks like Mac Jones, who were better than Mac Jones, but just in that style, were successful you know, years ago in the league. Nowadays, he's the last dinosaur. He's the last guy who plays that way, and he doesn't do it on an exceptionally high level, right, compared to the greats. And so Bill O'Brien may be just what the doctor ordered, but, man, to me it looks like there's a real ceiling on that. Time will tell. Is he the last one? Who else is there in the league right now that can't move at all, Key? Jimmy G. Jimmy G move a little bit. Mm, not like the rest of the quarterbacks. And by the way, he's hurt right now. Kirk Cousins, maybe? No, they got a more wiggle than Mac Jones. Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, he has – Mac Jones got gravy boots. Gravy boots. 
Well, who's, there's no other great, young gravy boot quarterback in the NFL. It's cr- so if you're going to be that dude, boy, you better have a rocket armor. You better be able to dissect defenses immediately, right? Like, I don't see where he has any yeah. attribute like that so far yeah, in the and, NFL and, that would yeah, make me think probably, he's. Yeah. Him and, him, those three are probably the last yeah. gravy boot guys. Yeah. Would we throw Derek Carr in that uh, list? Derek Carr more athletic. Yeah, Derek Carr not gravy boots. No. Nah. No. Nah. All right. Speaking of a quarterback that I think a lot of people th- um, would have liked um, for, over Mac Jones is Trey Lance. And George Kittle was talking about how Trey Lance has looked so far this offseason. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think Trey looks significantly better than he did last year. Um, I really do. I think he's, his confidence is there. He's throwing really good passes. I mean, just watching him, he just looks so much more comfortable and confident in the pocket, and I really appreciate that from him, from all the work that he's put into it. When guys are lacking confidence or something, you can tell, and I haven't seen that from him at all this year. Like He has his energy to him. He has his passion to him, and you can just see he has a smile on his face. He's celebrating with the guys. Uh, you can just tell he's, he's having fun out there, and that just makes football a lot easier. Key, you speak receiver. What's George Kittle telling us about who he wants as his QB next year? Let's well, start some controversy. The, he, he's saying Trey Lance is really good, and Trey Lance is going to be okay. What he's saying, he's saying that this kid has a lot of talent, and he just needed to uh, stick his feet in the water, gauge the temperature over the last year or so. When he was a rookie, you don't get anything out of him, right? Second-year player, you're not going to get much. He got hurt, didn't play well two and two in, in four tries as a, as a pro. Now when you look at it, you go, okay, this guy now is in his third year. It's totally different now. He's matured and grown. That's what he's saying. Yeah, and when, when he was drafted, let's not forget, he was the project in the draft, right? The way people look at, not even Anthony Richardson, it was beyond that. Like, yes, he, he may have the highest upside is what they were saying, and we love his processor and his attitude and everything, but – his inexperience means he's gonna ha- it's going to be a minute. Well, it's been a minute. Let's see what he's got. There is reason for optimism, for sure. I think he's going to be fine. I don't, I don't know why people – you haven't even seen him enough to really judge, right, but to I think he's going to be fine. I mean, but you, from what you see, like you said about Jordan fine. Love, put your eyeballs on him. He looks right. Man, the dude ran in the touchdown against Green Bay. Didn't hesitate, didn't do anything. Got behind Trent Williams. Trent Williams smashed the defensive back. He walked in the end zone. He didn't hesitate. He didn't look like he was scared. None of that. Meantime, game three in a knotted-up finals, 1-1. Miami gets their first home game of the series. Who needs game three more nuggets or heat, KJM? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. 
Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. We are joined right now by C.J. McCollum, Pelicans guard, MBPA president. What's going on, C.J.? Say that too loudly. <laughs> Why? My mentions have been going crazy lately. Uh, I think I think a lot of people are uh, starting to read through the, the latest CBA that we completed and Mixed results, I guess. Mixed feelings. That's, that's what a negotiation is. Yeah, a good negotiation yeah. is no one satisfied. It's men's went perfect. But I think I, it's like my deal. Like I did the deal. I, right. I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask you what points are uh, people going crazy over. I think uh, I think they're upset about the aprons, um, the spending associated with you know certain levels yep. of, of teams, obviously, and uh, the financial uh, implications of certain aprons, and obviously what can be taken away if you spend too much or trade for a player or whatever the case may be. But the deal is still being wrote up, written up, so mm. um, still some, some progress left and the finalities to come, come out a little later. Can you do a quick, a quick thing for me, explanation? What is, what is the, not language, but can, can players own stakes within NBA franchises or is that the NBA union actually owning that stake for all players in the league? How so, does that? So we're going through the process now with legal. Um, so it's it's still not technically finalized yet. There's obviously some some things we have to sort through uh, from a legality standpoint. But um, the way it was described to me was that two options, right? You'd be able to buy in through a fund. Obviously, the, the fund will be put together um, by the PA where you would be able to uh, have ownership in potential teams. Um, there's already funds that exist. Exactly. Apollo and other funds that Arto exist. Arto style. Companies you like can that, yeah. technically get into if you have right. an LLC or whatever the case may be. But I think – Looking at the structure of it, the biggest thing for us was figuring out ways to create generational wealth, figuring out ways to allow players to invest in things that are going to make money as opposed to things that are being brought to us that may not have been vetted properly. And generally speaking, when you're investing alongside billionaires and you know governors, the success rate is higher. And when you can obviously invest in the sport that you're helping build um, from the inside out, I think it just makes, made sense. And I think the other part of it is being able to invest in other things outside of sports alongside owners. I think there was a, there was a situation where – um, I think Draymond Green talked about it not being able to invest um, in him being, you know, a Michigan guy and, and going to Michigan State, not being able to invest in some things because of some governors that, you know, had a, a certain level of ownership that was definitely going to be lucrative. There's always situations like that with a lot of different players. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a minority owner uh, for the Golden State Warriors that's a, a Lehigh alum. So there's a, di- a lot of different situations in which a lot of us could be making more money or investing, um, having safe investments uh, alongside governors that we weren't able to do in the past or weren't able to publicly do in the past. Mm. Right. The system is rigged and we want in. The players (laughs) want in. Make it work for the players for once. Hey, CJ, we've been talking about it, debating it all day. And I think it's games three in one one series in the finals, historically 80% success rate for the for the team that wins game three in the series they win the series 80 percent of the time so who is this more of a must win for at Miami we talked about (laughs) the term must win is just it just makes my stomach hurt because (laughs) it's never really a must win it always is at the same time so I think in this case it's it's Denver and I only say that because Mm. Miami went and won on their home floor. It's like somebody coming in your refrigerator and drinking your orange juice and putting their mouth on it. Like, you don't want to see that happen, especially when you're the favorite, you know, eight-point favorite um, in, in consecutive finals games, right? You're at home, you have a 15-point lead. Like, you're running away. Like, I low-key, like, walked away 
went and took a shower, came back, and like the score was close again. It was like a typical Miami. They always come back. But this is this is pressure, and I think it's pressure because they've already shown that they can beat you on your home floor, right? So now you got to go get one. And if you don't get the first one and you go down 2-1, and now you're looking like, is this <laughs> – like they beat us on our home floor. We didn't beat them on theirs. Now we got another one in Miami with two days in between games, I'm guessing. You know, Miami, Miami Knights is calling you, right? And – you know going back to Denver could be trouble because they've already shown that they can beat you there. And they beat you where Jimmy played a really good game, but it wasn't like Jimmy's best game, right? So you, you know one of those is coming. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, like, they can beat us when he doesn't play as good as he's capable of. They can beat us when, you know, Kevin Love just gets 10 rebounds, hits a couple threes, but, like, misses some open shots. Duncan Robinson misses some open shots, and they still beat you. You start to think, you start to question, like, yeah. CJ, see what I said earlier? Now you got an NBA player sitting right there with you echoing the same things that I said this morning when he was asleep. So it's not like he heard what I said about if they beat them in Miami and then they got them again in game four, that doubt, that doubt starts to set in the Nuggets' mind about, well, wait a minute. We're now sitting at 2-1 and we got to play them in game four. Mm-hmm. We in trouble. That doubt starts to sit in the minds there. So I was talking yeah, to him earlier about it, uh, CJ. I was talking to him earlier about that because it's true. When you, when you feel like you're the better team and all of a sudden you look up and you down 2-1 and you're still on the road with another game to play, you mess around and you lose that one going home, you're really in trouble. And just staying for the record, it's the worst question in sports that's manufactured by the media. Who needs a game more? Who the hell? Like, both teams need the game. Yeah, they do. But more who needs anybody. it more? It's okay. But, but it's not, I'm with like, you, Jay. I actually like, think how the does, Heat need it more. How does no, more even man. apply? No, but, well, like, how does more apply? Because if one team's if, at if, home, if, one team's on the road. One because, team's considered if better, Dem- one team's considered worse. If Denver worse. wins, then things skew in their favor, right? They have home court advantage. Sure. I, th- I think it's great for conversation. But in this case, I don't think this case is consistent across the board. Um, I think even if Miami wins – Game three, I still think Denver win because they had the better player. And it's Ooh, like the, it's like you the say Trump Jokic card. is the best player in the series? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Better than be, – wait, better yeah. than – okay. Yes. This gets to the Miami plus-minus thing. Hembo had this stat. They are minus in the plus-minus as a team every quarter of the playoffs except for the fourth quarter. CJ, they're plus 90 in the fourth quarter throughout the playoffs. So I'm asking, in the moment of truth – Who's the best player on the floor, Jokic or Jimmy Butler, in the moment of truth? In the moment of truth, I'm going with Joker for two reasons. My eyes never lie. My eyes don't lie. And I think Spo says it all the time, untrained eyes. I think there's a lot of untrained eyes out there that are looking at stats, that are looking at all of these things, and are not taking into account Eric Spolstra. Like, fourth quarter is Jimmy time. I get all of that. He hits big shots. But it's execution. It's rotations. It's who you're playing. He runs a zone. He runs a matchup zone. He mixes in his defenses. Great <laughs> out-of-bounds timeouts. Great execution. Knows when to call timeouts. All those things matter, and that changes the game and the momentum of a game. Now you just drop Joker in. Joker is unstoppable. He gets what he wants, does what he wants. He can beat you scoring. He can beat you passing. You always have to count for where he's at. And I think in this case, there's a reason why he's two-time MVP. Probably could have been three-time. They just didn't want to give it to him. He is the difference in where they could be down in the series and he can go get you 18 and a quarter or 20 and a quarter. And he can go get you 10 assists and a half with zero turnovers. I think that's why I say he's the better player. And CJ McCollum and his trained eyes. My untrained eyes say Jimmy Butler all day. KJM ESPN Radio. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.